Thank you for taking a moment with worshiping with us and with the worship team. I'm super excited for the opportunity for us to gather together in this room and worship with one another next week. It is the foundation of why we gather as a community of faith is to worship the one true God, our creator, our maker, our redeemer. And another reason why we gather as a community of faith in person is to partake and to enjoy and feast on the word of God together. So we're just going to have a little practice run tonight because I know for a lot of us, we're going to be out of, out of touch and out of sync with how we intake the word of God in a formal fashion and in a congregation setting. For me, it's going to take some getting used to to be standing up in front of you again. It's going to take some used to reading some notes and, and reading the text. It's going to take some time for me to get used to it. And I think you as well, it's going to take you some time to get back into the habit of, of taking notes as we're, as we're listening to the word and as we're taking down points so that we can not just consume the word, but we can reproduce the word and live a life that is glorifying to God. So make sure you're opening your Bibles tonight to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. And what we are going to be talking about tonight is this idea of devour. Now, we know we have an enemy against our life. We have an enemy that tries to take us out spiritually. And we need to be aware of the tactics and the schemes of the enemy so that we do not fall into the grip and to the vices of the enemy. Because God wants us to live free. The Word of God says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. We have a new nature inside of us that makes us free, that allows us to overcome the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. But we have to be watchful, we have to be mindful. And so this is what our text talks about tonight. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8-11 to 11 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, God himself, will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be dominion forever forever and ever amen so if you know me or know anything about my uh choices of movies or or television you'll, you'll know that i love documentaries i love hearing people's stories i love to learn different things in history people what they've gone through what they're experiencing what collective society has gone through it's one of my favorite things to to watch and more particularly one of my favorite things to watch as i'm getting ready for bed laying down getting ready to fall asleep one of my favorite types of documentaries are nature documentaries you see i'm a huge fan of the series planet earth and even beyond that, there's other ones on Netflix and Hulu, and, and Disney Plus has an amazing selection of nature documentaries. And I love to lay there and just watch the beautiful landscape, listen to the sounds of nature, listen to the, the sounds of the animals and learn about them, get to connect with them. I love how the, the narrator, this guy with such a smooth voice, uh, decides to give them names and personality traits and he he shows us gives us a glimpse into their life and it's super peaceful and then there always comes a point without fail 
that you start hearing the music changing a little bit. It has a little bit more of a, of a pound present. It has a little bit more that's gonna get your heart rate up a little bit more. It's creating suspense and anticipation that something is about to come. And then all of a sudden, the main character finds its secondary character. That there becomes an animal in the bushes, an animal in the sand, an animal behind a tree, and it pops its head out. And the main character now finds itself in a bigger struggle than what the struggle was before. And then all of a sudden, this, this animal leaps out in its prey, and, and there becomes this race. There becomes the, the prey running and zigzagging, going up mountains, going down lower to escape the predator. And the, the predator is faster. The predator can be more cunning, can be more smart. And there becomes the music is just booming. The, the intensity is pounding. My heart is racing. The anticipation is killing me. Is the prey going to get away, or is the predator going to find its dinner? And then after a moment or two, the music calms back down, and either the prey got away, or the predator got its meal. And at the end of this, I find myself sweating, overwhelmed, anxiety through the roof, my investment, my heart is crushed, and, and now I find myself awake for a couple more hours without fail. And you see, I'm often reminded that planet Earth and nature documentaries are so close to our walk with Christ. The plot of, of Planet Blue episodes and the plot of my Christian walk, they don't vary very much. You see, we may be walking in persecution and hardship. What I've noticed about these nature documentaries is they don't just pick some random species to follow with a boring life. They always pick a species that has something to overcome. Maybe they are in a foreign land, and maybe they are extinct. Maybe they're going extinct. Maybe they're experiencing hardship from environmental change or, or some external factors that they weren't ready for. Maybe some internal factors that they, they weren't ready for. They are already having a hard enough time as it is. And as they are trying to make it through this difficult time, this difficult season, trying to overcome the obstacles, that's when the enemy comes in for kill. And you see, this is, this is kind of very like our life in Christ. We go through hardships. We go through difficulties. We, we battle with this nature inside of us. We go through offenses. We go through hurts. We, we battle and deal with sin or struggles or inclinations or ideations or, or desires. And then we find ourselves coming in, just trying to make it day to day. And then there's an enemy right around the corner. We find ourselves in the hardships and the difficulties of our life, whether it be internal or external, having to wrestle a predator that we weren't focused on. And Peter uses the imagery of a lion because the enemy's hunting tactics and the lions are similar. Now, we're going to figure this out. We're going to break it down because that seems very daunting for us and very crippling for us is that, that we may be facing hardship and difficulty and then the enemy comes and we're already weak, weakened and we're already broken down. And it's so easy for the enemy to take us down. But God gives us tools. God gives us tools to overcome this. So... The, one of the things and the tactics, the hunting tactics of the lion and the enemy that is, that is super similar is that the purpose of the enemy is to cause believers to fall into sin or be terrified in their hardships and their difficulty. The enemy comes not just to, to stick the nail in the coffin, but he comes to cause us to fall. 
to become weak. He changes maybe our environmental shift, something in our environment shifts, or maybe something in our heart or our fleshly moment be, becomes elevated within that. And we have to first know what the purpose of the enemy is in order to overcome it. And his purpose is to make us fall into sin and be terrified in our hardship. And just like the lion and, and just like other predators hunting tactics, God, uh, the enemy has the same tactics. The enemy looks first and foremost to attack us, attack us in our most vulnerable moments. Now, the, the enemy or, or a predator doesn't come into its prey just in the moment that it has just eaten a good meal and has slept really well and is completely hydrated in the perfect environment. No, he comes when he's maybe tired, gone through desert sand or gone without water, looking for food, looking for something to strengthen itself. The enemy attacks in the most vulnerable of moments. Maybe you find yourself in a vulnerable moment. That vulnerable moment may be vulnerability in your mind, vulnerability in your emotions, vulnerability in your external, vulnerability in your, your passion and your drive, vulnerability in your, your spiritual walk. And that's where he attacks. And here's how the enemy attacks. I, I love this because this was revealed to me in, in a Lee University chapel. A, a preacher had come in and talked about this. And this was one of the most revolutionary things that I, I had ever heard spiritually in regards to the enemy. And those that I was sitting with, we were going through somewhat of a hard time. And, and we turned to each other and were like, that, that is what the enemy has been doing in our life. And so the first tactic that the enemy uses is called grandma steps. Now in the comment, write down grandma steps. I want you to remember this. Grandma steps are what? Small, cunning, calculated. And so here's how grandma steps work. The lion's prey are often faster. The wildebeest or, or a uh, warthog is so much faster than, than a lion. It can run faster, has longer stamina. And oftentimes, the, the prey, even when it reaches its maximum speed, it doesn't even reach its maximum speed to get away from the lion because it doesn't need to. It's faster. It has more tools in its arsenal. And guess what? So do we. We are so much faster than the enemy. We have such a, a stronger power with inside of us. We have longer endurance. And, and we have the ability to, to, to take out the enemy toe-to-toe -to -toe every time. Why? Because the Spirit of God that resides within inside of us. So knowing that the prey is bigger and, and badder in of itself, the lion must resort to when the prey is not looking. And so what happens is the lion inches its way. It keeps inching its way forward and forward and forward. It'll have little grandma steps, little baby steps, cunning, calculated, uh, quiet, and, and small steps but those small steps lead and, and begin to cut down the distance in between the, the predator and the prey. And then just when the enemy is close, just when the, the prey is close to the enemy's mouth, that's when he launches. And by that time, it's too late for the prey to run away. And they become dinner, losing the, uh, losing the ability to fight back because of their idleness. And this was also brought into me is when you brought into me in that, that chapel service of when you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, what happens? The frog's going to jump out right away. But you put that frog in nice room temperature water, it feels like it's at home, but then you turn up the fire just a little bit. And then what happens? You get, you get frog soup because by the time the frog realizes that there's something wrong, it's already too late. 
And so how do we deal with this? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we possess more skill and have more capability than our adversary, yet we are so easily captured. We think that the enemy is not, act, is not active, is on a break, but that is just a deception until he can get close enough to have access into launching into a fatal attack. So that's why verse eight says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. The enemy is never on vacation. He never decides he's gonna sit down and just take, put his feet up and rest, but he is always working and going forward in something to, to be able to attack us. And when we think he's not active, we become idle. And that way he can cut down the ground to get close to us. Now, the other tactic that the enemy uses, which is very reflective to the, of a line, is the hide and wait. Now, write that in the comments. Let us know. Part two is hide and wait. So this is what the line will do. The line will strategically hide close to a resource that the prey will need. Give it water, give it food, give it shelter, give it, give it a nice brook, whatever it is, and they'll hide there. And guess what? We'll just wait. They'll take its time. They'll, they'll kick up its feet because they know that the prey is coming. The enemy can hide in the bushes close to our need for relationships. Val validity. It can, the enemy waits in specific moments in our lives of where we feel that we need to go for protection and for a refreshing. And that's in the, the need to be validated, the need for a relationship, the need for, pro, the need for position or, or prestige or security or comfort. The enemy sits and waits. And when we are not on guard, guess what he does? He attacks. So whether we are already fatally attacked or wrestling with our wrestling with all of our strength when the enemy has attacked us, God says in verse 9, the battle is not over. Because you see, verse 9 says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood. God says, be watchful, be alert, but also know, resist, resist him, stand firm in your faith, and know that everything, that the, you are not the only one going through this. God is declaring in this moment that the battle is not over. The enemy may have snuck in by grandma's steps, or he may have hid and waited for the perfect opportune moment, but the battle is not over. Peter here is giving us battle, battle tools on how we can overcome. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. One of the advantages that the lion has over its prey is that the prey does not often learn from their mistakes. You see, you, the, they, when the enemy comes and, and the prey finally gets away, what does it do? It goes right back to the very place that the enemy can sit and watch. It doesn't, it doesn't learn from its experience and becomes watchful, and it doesn't be, learn from experience of being on guard and sober-minded. It goes back to it. So we have to remember to not return back to the same course of action from where we first experienced the attack of the enemy. Next, Peter tells us to resist him. When we catch a hint of movement towards us, we need to be alert and counter the act. 
If we're moving towards a relationship and in our heart we're recognizing that we're doing this just to feel validated and that the enemy is going to have his way or can have his way or we see something going going awry or if we're doing something and we see a a motive of selfishness or or entitlement or or the idea of being worshipped in ourself, once we see an ounce of movement, what we need to do is we need to stop and we need to be alert and we need to know how to counter that moment. Because when the enemy attempts to battle our minds, we combat it with the truth of the word of God. How do we resist him? James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee. We need to submit to God. How do we submit to God? We can only submit to God when we know the will of God. How do we know the will of God? When we know the word of God. So in order to resist him, we need to know the word of God so that just like Jesus, when he was tempted, we can go out and say, no, this is the word of God. You may be offering a counterfeit that is closely resembled. It's a form of godliness or it looks like a form of godliness, but underneath it, it is just a tactic and a scheme of the enemy. Why? Because we know the word of God and we're not going to fall into it. Then Peter says, be firm in your faith. Be firm in the character of God. Be firm in the nature of God. Be firm in the presence of God. Be firm in who he says he is. He says he is with you. He is ever present in time of trouble. That he is your defender. That he is your strong tower. That he is your refuge. Be firm in your faith. Be firm in the the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. And know that the same sufferings are being experienced by the brotherhood. You are not alone. You see, the enemy, just like a lion, preys on the one who is isolated from the group. If you find yourself isolated tonight, get into community. Because lions don't go after the masses, the big group, because guess what? When there's more of them, guess what? The enemy is outnumbered. The lion is outnumbered. It can be overpowered. It can be overcame. But when you stand in community with one another, holding, locking arms with one another, the lion becomes the prey, and then you guys become the predators taking out a force of darkness. So if you find yourself in isolation, isolated from the youth group, isolated from friends, isolated from church people, this season has been so easy for us to be isolated away from one another. If you find yourself isolated and falling into the tactics and the schemes of the enemy, guess what? Run back to community. It may not have to be in person in a room, but run back into community. Run back into your youth leaders. Run back into your youth pastor. Run back into your youth group. Run back into church people. Find yourself reaching out to community, being closely knitted with one another because guess what? There is power in knowing that you are not alone. When you are not alone, you can overcome more because then you can outnumber the very thing that's trying to take you out. And at the end of the day, when the enemy has wrestled with you and your strength feels depleted, when you've wrestled, again, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and strongholds, the very things of this air, and you feel and you've, you've found the strength of the Holy Spirit and you've been watchful and sober-minded, you've resisted him, you've been firm in your faith, and you've experienced the power of community, know that God himself, will replenish what the enemy has stolen. Because let's read again verse 10. This is my favorite part of this text. And after you have suffered suffered a little while, not a lifetime, not forever, just a little bit, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, 
will himself. God himself, he's not gonna send an angel to do it. He's not gonna send, send your mama to do it. He's not gonna send your daddy to do it. He's not gonna send somebody else to do it. God himself, the very creator, the very maker of heaven and earth himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. After suffering for a little while, God's grace will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. In the midst of our hardship, our persecution, and our downright sinfulness, it is God himself who comes to our rescue. He will restore whatever you've lost for his sake. If you find yourself fighting for him and living your life for him and, and you're attacked for his sake and, and you find yourself losing some peace of mind, guess what? He says, I'll restore your peace of mind. If you have gone through difficulties and, and strongholds and you come out of an attack with the enemy and you, you feel like you've lost your identity, guess what? He's gonna confirm who you are. If you feel weak in your body, weak in your flesh, guess what? He says, I'm gonna give you strength. If you find yourself lost without position, lost without direction, lost without, and lost without step, he, he says, I'm going to establish you. So whatever we've lost for his sake, God himself, God himself will come and rescue you. He doesn't just send, he's such a personal God, he doesn't just send somebody else to do it. He just doesn't send an angel like, oh, can you go deal with that right now? But God himself strengthens your bones, strengthens your mind, strengthens your will, your emotion, strengthens your spirit by the touch of his hand. And then though suffering will come, it is followed by an eternal glory. We can't look at the temporary, but we gotta look at eternity. And it is his grace that strengthens us to endure to the end. You see, you may overcome a hardship and a difficulty one day, but be confident that another, another attack's gonna come. But also trust in the faithfulness of God. Learning from your mistakes, learning from what you can glean from those experiences. Trust in the Lord. And he's gonna guide you, he's gonna guard you, he's gonna strengthen you. And season after season of difficulty and hurt after season and seasons of, of disappointment or struggle, he is faithful the next time it comes to pass. So let's take a moment and pray and, and just talk with the God that's gonna restore our hearts. God, we just thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your word that encourages my heart and, and encourages the heart of humanity. God, your word is the answer to humanity. It is not just something that it works for some people, but God, it is the answer for all of humanity's problems. You are the answer. And Lord, we come and we yield our heart to you and we say, Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen us, restore us, establish us. God, be the strength and the peace that we need in this time. Let us be watchful, sober-minded, resisting the devil. And let us see him flee. Let, him, let us see him flee in the works of the enemy for our life. Let us walk in one freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight for the season finale of Encounter Night Live. 
I'm so excited to be able to see you in person next week. We've been waiting. We have been anticipating to be able to see you next week, June 3rd at 6.40 p.m. as we get to reconvene our services with one another. And now don't worry if you're, you're not ready and you're not able to come join us right away. We want you to feel safe. We want you to feel comfortable walking back into this, this house, the house of God and in the community faith. If you are not ready for that or it is not safe for you, we will continue an online format that caters to you and gives you the ability to participate in community. We are not going to leave you behind. So keep a lookout, keep your ears open, keep your heart open, ready for what's to come. We can't wait to see you next week.